Welcome to Category Visionaries, the show dedicated to exploring exciting visions for the future from the founders who are on the front lines building it. In each episode, we'll speak with a visionary founder who's building a new category or reimagining an existing one. We'll learn about the problem they solve, how their technology works, and unpack their vision for the future. I'm your host, Brett Stapper, CEO of Frontlines Media. Now let's dive right into today's episode. Hey everyone, and thanks for listening. Today I'm speaking with Yana Wellender, CEO and founder of Craftful, a product research tool that's raised over three million in funding. Yana, thanks for chatting with me today. Thanks for having me. I'm really, really excited to be here. No problem. So to kick things off, could we just start with a quick summary of who you are and a bit more about your background? Yeah, sure. So before starting Craftful, I was a product manager and ultimately product leader at various tech companies. I worked in B2B, B2C, B2B2C, building products that serve millions of users. But my path to product wasn't necessarily straightforward. So I grew up in Sweden. I went to college in London. I worked in in Dublin for a bit before heading over to the US for grad school. And I got three law degrees, including an LLM from Harvard, which in the current AI landscape or like large language models landscape may sound like something else, but it's actually a law degree. And then I practiced law for a few years and did a short stint in academia where I did some research on policy implications of AI. And ultimately, I did end up in product management and realized that really what I'm what I'm really excited about is solving problems through the lens of product and, and product experiences. So that's kind of, that's how I got here and then ultimately got into entrepreneurship. And what was that like when you left law behind? So you said you were practicing for a couple of years. Obviously, there was a lot of schooling there. Was that hard to leave that world behind? Yeah, I mean... At the top, I guess, of my law career, I I first was a visiting law professor, and then I was a law director and legal director and was, you know, led multiple teams. Um, And so coming off of that and then changing careers, whichever career that would have been, right, ended up being product. And so it kind of felt right in terms of what I was doing. But it still feels very strange to have, you know, achieved a certain level in your career and then jumping off of that and, and kind of starting from scratch. I think that that felt very strange. And it took me a while before I sort of could completely acknowledge like, okay, this is this is what I'm doing. This, this is right. This is what, what my career should be about. <laughs> I should pursue this full on. And I saw on LinkedIn that you were the founder or co-founder of two different groups. So VC-backed moms and it was, I can't remember the other one, Jed AI founder, something along those lines. So talk to us about communities and you know, why you spend the time to build communities and you know, what your goal is when you build out these communities? Yeah. I mean, I think community is something I've always been really fascinated by. I think, you know, that you can achieve amazing things with a community. I spent some time at uh, the Wikimedia Foundation, the company behind Wikipedia, which obviously is just a, a giant global community project to accumulate the world's knowledge. And it's just something I've uh, always been fascinated by in terms of how communities can help each other out in in various ways. I've been fortunate to be a Y Combinator founder. And one thing that's not frequently talked about in relation to Y Combinator is that it's really just a big founder community where you get to access all the different founders in the network and ask them questions, get mentorship, advice on, on various topics. And so that's something I've been wanting to kind of give back and also build communities around me with people who have had particularly similar experiences to mine. And so Generative AI founder community, we started that earlier this year 
And it's now grown to being a few hundred founders that are very active in the Slack channel and discuss various topics around building with with generative AI and fundraising in this interesting landscape. And then VC Backed Moms is another founder community that I actually started with Amelia Lynn, who's someone I started Gen AI Founders with as well. And that community also now has a few hundred founders on the path to motherhood. And we started it in the middle of the pandemic when lots of folks were working from home with their kids, trying to figure out how to make their startup happen and not having access to childcare. And there was, of course, like a number of questions around that specifically. (laughs) But after that point, I think folks have had lots of really interesting other questions that they've been able to help each other out with in the community. It's also Slack group. So probably two of my most active Slack groups that I'm part of, even though I have probably a few, I don't know, maybe 20 20 or 30 or so uh, Slack groups from from various VC portfolio companies and and that kind of stuff. Nice. I'm a huge fan of communities, so super cool to see. Now let's switch gears here and let's dive into Craftful. So can you just give us a high-level overview of what the product does? Yeah, absolutely. So Craftful is a co-pilot for product managers and other product builders to help them build better products and create community of users around their products. Most immediately, we're doing that by you know saving people hundreds of hours with AI summaries of user feedback. But the idea is to create a essentially kind of a human AI interface specifically for product builders to supercharge product builders in this brave new world <laughs> that we're all embarking on. <laughs> And talk to me about how the product has changed then since ChatGPT has come out. Because I saw on the website, it's ChatGPT for product research. Guessing that's new messaging. What was it before ChatGPT? Yeah, absolutely. So we started with a standardized user experience for IoT products. And so the idea back then was still to help product managers build better products, but from a slightly different angle. And... I think for me, always at the back of my mind has, I've had this problem that I wanted to solve in my job, leading products at different tech companies before Craftful, gathering user feedback and acting on user feedback from millions of users was always a a huge challenge. And that could be like app store use or subreddit or Zendesk support tickets. And so that led me to experiment with LLMs or large language models to solve this problem pretty early on. So I actually built the first prototype for this in early 2020, back then we still had the standardized user experience was our product. And the technology, I should say large language models back then, were much more suited for text generation than summarization. So I didn't actually feel like I saw a great solution, but I continued experimenting over time and LLM models improved. We then built the first MVP of this solution back in 2021 as part of a broader analytic solution using GPT-3 back then. So this is, I would say, almost two years before ChatGPT. And then as our product assistant got better and better, we saw much more demand for that particular part of our product, which indicated we should sort of start to focus on that as a standalone solution. And then we launched that in beta earlier this year in February, and we got many thousands of users in just the first few weeks. And then we just continued doubling down on that. And I think what's been really cool to see is that obviously we've we've seen product builders use our product from pretty much every tech company at this point that you can imagine. But it's also 
car manufacturers like Ford and Volvo and financial institutions and public agencies and, and global retail brands and even things like cities. So it's just cool to see that there's, you know, many, many different product teams at different types of organizations out there all trying to understand what their users need while building products at scale and trying to listen to all those users. And you mentioned thousands of users there had signed up in the first couple of weeks. Are there any other numbers and metrics you can share for where you stand today and the type of growth and adoption that you're seeing? Yeah. So we we launched in February of this year. And since then, we've seen on average, you know, 45% growth month over month. So pretty, pretty significant. And, you know, we have a large, fairly kind of diverse user base at this point, as, as I alluded to, from, from very different types of companies. And really, I think the the biggest testament to the excitement around this is sort of when, you, when we first rolled out this product, we didn't really expect that overwhelming interest. But actually, when we first rolled it out, we got rate limited, first rate limited by OpenAI, and we got very quickly got rate limit extensions there. And then the next thing that happened was we got rate limited by SERP API, which is what we use to connect different types of user feedback sources like Zendesk and, and Intracom. And so we reached out to them over Twitter and got rate limit extensions there too. But we kind of continued having to get rate limit extensions at with different services that we use because we just, you know, continue growing at a, at a very rapid pace. And I would say our users' usage continues growing, right? So it's not just how many users that use, use our product, but it's how much data that they continue to connect to Craftful to analyze. Uh, that continues growing. And what do you attribute to that success? I think every founder listening in who's you in early stage is listening to that and saying, yep, I want that. I want that type of growth. And yeah, I want that type of traction. What have you gotten right? I think it's been a number of things. So one one piece is around positioning. So I think, you know, we're creating this AI solution for product builders. And we've been very specific about not positioning it as a, you know, AI summary of user feedback, but much more focusing on what problems do we solve for product builders. And in fact, a lot of our growth is organic growth, primarily coming from, or at least originally coming from Twitter, where we would, we started essentially a product, a PM community on Twitter, talking about various problems that product managers have, not necessarily even problems that Craftful solves today, but just engaging uh, folks in a conversation around what are some challenges they have in their day-to-day and, and what, how can that be made better and what are some like tips and tricks that people want to share. And I think that conversation around problems is then how people are finding Craftful. And then they see our positioning that is all about solving specific needs that this particular market segment has, as opposed to just talking about Here's our fancy AI product <laughs> and that doesn't necessarily resonate with folks across different industries. And what's the competitive landscape look like today for a product teams? So if they're not using Craftful, what are they using? There are a number of different solutions out there. They're usually not specific to product teams. They are much more summarization of user feedback, be that of the kind of the more traditional, you know, thematic analysis tools that leverage large language models. But for most part, they're kind of more general for different teams at companies. And I think what distinguishes us from a lot of those solutions is that are much more specific to the challenges that product managers and other team, uh, folks on the product teams have when they're trying to analyze user feedback from a very specific lens. And so that I would say that there isn't necessarily anything that does 
that really well. And, and in fact, the biggest competitor we have is really just the spreadsheet as a result, right? Because there isn't, there isn't a solution that necessarily answers questions from a product perspective. As a result, product managers and UX researchers that just end up summarizing their own user feedback manually, leveraging spreadsheets or other kinds of tools similar to, to a spreadsheet. Um, and so I'd say that that's probably the biggest, when we come in and, and, and replace something at a company, that's usually what they're using today. And then for the go-to-market motion, is it 100% PLG or is there a sales team there that gets involved at some point? It is 100% product-led. You know, we have, for most parts, individual product managers or UX researchers or other product builders sign up for Craftful. Originally, would mostly come via Twitter. And since then, we've gotten a few other channels up and running, but they come inbound. It's 100% inbound, 100% organic. And then they upgrade to paid plans when they want to analyze more data. And then they reach out to us for enterprise plans. We do have a tiny sales team of one person (laughs) that can engage with those folks when they do reach out. We have started the process of identifying which of our users kind of fit the, the enterprise profiles we can reach out to them more as well. But that's, you know, we're still in the very earliest stages of that right now. This show is brought to you by Frontlines Media, a podcast production studio that helps B2B founders launch, manage, and grow their own podcast. Now, if you're a founder, you may be thinking, I don't have time to host a podcast. I've got a company to build. Well, that's exactly what we built our service to do. You show up and host, and we handle literally everything else. To set up a call to discuss launching your own podcast, visit frontlines.io slash podcast. Now, back to today's episode. And from a go-to-market perspective, what would you say has been the number one greatest challenge that you faced and overcame? And, and how'd you overcome it? So it's been a number of challenges until now that we've overcome in different ways. But actually, one particularly big go-to-market challenge that we're looking at is actually a really fresh go-to-market challenge as of this morning or really even yesterday. I mean, maybe we haven't really overcome it yet. So maybe I can come back on like another episode and tell you how we solved it. But most of our organic growth has originally come from Twitter. And over time, we've gotten other channels up and running, but Twitter still continues to be a kind of the number one source of traffic. But yesterday, Meta launched threads. And I would say kind of as of this morning, it looks pretty promising as far as social networks go. You know, they've had, it looks like 30 million downloads in the first few hours. And so we're very much in the process of having to rethink our user acquisition strategy, which now heavily relies on Twitter. And it's not entirely clear whether, you know, Twitter will will survive this or, you know, in what shape or form, right? It's probably going to survive in some sense, but will it continue being a place where we can have a vibrant product management community? It's not so certain at this point. It's so fascinating to watch all this stuff unfold. Zuckerberg is that. Uh... He's ruthless. I think he, you know, really caught Twitter and Elon Musk at a very vulnerable moment. And it's been fascinating to watch Zuckerberg really win the public narrative. I think there was like a year ago or a few years ago, everyone seemed to hate Zuckerberg. And I think what he figured out is people hate Elon Musk more than him. He seems to be leaning into that. And yeah, watching this product launch, it's it's pretty cool. It seems like it is actually a viable competitor. A lot of those other ones that were kind of floating around when Elon Musk first bought Twitter. It didn't really seem like they had a chance, but it seems like Threads does have a, a pretty solid chance. I agree. He's, he's a remarkable strategist. I similarly have been really amazed to see kind of how he's turned the public opinion around in the most hilarious way. 
<laughs> yeah, I was talking about that with another founder. It's pretty funny because you know I'm sure that he had lots of like big you know, executives giving him advice on what to do. And I just kind of imagine it's like some intern raising their hand and saying, hey, Zuckerberg, if you want to be relatable, talk about MMA and you know, fighting with your friends and things like that and go on podcasts. That'll change it because that's what he did and it worked. Like the world does seem to like him now much more than they did a couple of years ago. So it's kind of funny yeah. just watching this like very unique approach that he's taking. Yeah. And he is, you know, if you listen to him on podcasts, he is a very compelling product builder, right? Like he speaks to a lot of people in a very kind of authentic way. And he still is, you know, in some sense, you kind of lose track of the fact that this is one of the most powerful people in the world when he puts on that hat and goes out and, and, and joins podcasts. So yeah, I think it's been a really brilliant strategy. Interesting to see how that all plays out. Now, let's go to the final questions here. So if you were just starting the company again today, what would be the number one piece of advice you'd give to yourself based on everything that you've learned so far? Yeah, I would really invest in a setup that would you know help me run my startup as the marathon it is. Things like you know good exercise routine, healthy diets, figure out kind of what motivates me as a founder so I can have ways to reconnect to it periodically. You know, identify advisors, professionals, just like a therapist or and coach that can help me level up. I think there are things that I had to figure out because we started Craftful at the start of the pandemic with lockdown, political unrest. It's just been a crazy, it's been a crazy time to be a founder. And and it forced me to figure out all of these pieces along the way just to kind of stay sane and, and be able to to do it. But I think that if I could have figured it out from the start or even kind of just proactively knowing, okay, I'm going to become a founder now. Here's the things I need. I think I would have a much easier time. And what do you think is the most important skill for a founder to have to be successful today? I think it is just agility, just being able to stay really flexible in terms of what you need to do and and try different things, right? Because ultimately, you know, your startup is only alive for as long as you have runway. And so it is the, the, the more things you can try during that time, the more likely you are to be successful. You know, there's obviously you can be a great strategist. You can be great at executing once you've started hitting product market fits and scaling up and that kind of stuff. But I think ultimately, the more things you you can try, statistically, the more likely you are to find success. So I think just staying agile and flexible is really important. And final question, let's zoom out three to five years from today. Can you just paint a picture for us of what the vision is that you're working to build? Yeah, so we have this really big roadmap ahead of us to supercharge product builders with the understanding that AI will change the product profession or really actually any profession in on the product team dramatically over the next few years. And our goal is to be that human to AI interface for product builders. We have a lot of features to support that end-to-end experience and make it really easy to integrate user feedback into the roadmap and, and build a community around, around your product leveraging our solution in various ways. Amazing. Well, we are up on time, so we're going to have to wrap here. Before we do, if any founder listening wants to follow along with your journey, where should they go? Well, for now, it still is Yana tweets on Twitter, <laughs> but who knows Who knows what it is in a few days? <laughs> I should say I am, I am Yana Wallander on threads. So just in case that's, that's, that takes off, <laughs> go and find me there too. <laughs> 
Amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking the time to join the podcast and talk about what you're building and share some of those lessons that you've learned along the way. I really enjoyed the conversation and I know the audience is going to as well. So thanks so much for taking the time. Thanks so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. All right. Keep in touch. This episode of Category Visionaries is brought to you by Frontlines Media, Silicon Valley's leading podcast production studio. If you're a B2B founder looking for help launching and growing your own podcast, visit frontlines.io slash podcast. And for the latest episode, search for Category Visionaries on your podcast platform of choice. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you on the next episode. 